Hey, uh, today we're going to do Children's Time a little different, and we're going to, I'm going to interview this guy, Brody Linnell. How many of you know Brody? A lot of you do, yep, okay. Now, um, Brody, you're going to be gone most of the summer, man, guy. Um, so, uh, that's because you're going to have surgery, right, on June 6th. Yes. yes. And you're going to? St. Louis. St. Louis. Shiner's Hospital there. And uh, w what are they going to do? Well, they're going to put surgery on my leg. It's called a fixator. Um, and why are they going to do this surgery? What for? Because um, I have fibular hemimilia. Fibular what? Fibular hemimilia. Okay, fibular hemimilia. And what is that? It's where one leg is shorter than the other. In this case, it's my left leg, and it is two and a half inches shorter than my right. Okay. So uh, you're gonna you're gonna have this surgery, and uh, uh, how long have you known you're gonna have to have this surgery? Pretty much my whole life. Okay. So you you've known that someday, when you're about nine years old, yeah. which is what you are now, you're gonna have this. And uh, how are they going to do that? Are they going to stretch your leg for all summer, or how are they going to do that? So they're going to break my bone, my tibia and my fibula. fibula. Um, they're going to break them? Yeah, they're going to break them, a certain part. And okay. then they're going to put these needles in my right, I mean, my knee, my uh -huh. the middle, and my ankle. Needles, huh? Yeah, needles. And then they're going to put this kind of cage around it and okay. that's a f that's the fixator and my mom's going to turn a knob each day a millimeter each day for 60 days a millimeter a day for 60 days and so so the the br place where the bone is broken it's going to the bone is going to what it's going to grow grow in fill in the gap yeah, yeah it's going to grow uh -huh. and yeah it's pretty much going to fill in the gap like you said okay then, yeah. show us hey you got some shoes here tell us about these well, this is my first ever shoe. The lift is about a centimeter tall. Uh-huh. And this is not my last shoe because I'm wearing some shoes right now, but this is one Air Jordan that I like. Air Jordan. Oh, wow. And so it looks like you've got about an inch or so of uh, lift on those. So, And then show us the ones you've got now, how these are different. Well, because the lift is um, two and a half inches now. Uh -huh. that's pretty much the difference so okay yeah. um, so uh, so you're gonna have surgery they're gonna break your leg and over them you're gonna stay in st. Louis uh, for 60 days mm -hmm. and then are you gonna have to have this surgery ever again <coughs> no <coughs> um, it's okay. but um, I'll have to have my right growth plate taken out of my knee but there's still when will they do that when will they take that growth plate out of your knee? Um, right when I'm knee. 12 or 13. Okay. They'll grow at the same pace then, because then I'll have a hip um, growth plate still. Okay, very good. Um, so, so one thing you're looking forward to, by the end of the summer, when you come back, your, right, your left leg and your right leg will be the same, won't they? Yeah. Okay, so... Mm -hmm. Besides that, what else are you really looking forward to about the summer? Making new friends and learning from other people and giving advice for people that are having a surgery coming up like mine. Okay, so you're going to meet maybe some kids that are having this, going through the same thing you are, right? Yeah. Okay. 
And uh, when you come back in August, are you going to be like completely better and everything's done or what? They're going to take the fixator off in December, so... Okay. Um, so that means when you come back for a few months, you're still going to have this thing that covers the lower port of part of your leg, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and show us what's on the pic. Tell us what's on the picture up there. Well, it's pretty much all my shoes, most of them, and a heart shape, pretty much. Okay. So, uh, and I see you've got a shirt on that uh, says uh, Brody's Army. No. no. Brody's Super Stepper Army. Yeah. So, so Super Stepper is kind of what you call your lift shoe, right? Yeah. Very good. And uh, I see that mom and dad have the same shirts on here. Maybe sister does too. Okay. So there you are. Yeah. yeah. And there's your, your twin sister, Haley, wearing a Brody uh, uh, Super Stepper Army shirt too. Yeah. All right. So one of the things we like to do is sometimes when people share their story, we like to bless them. So all you kids, join me. Let's raise a hand toward Brody as we bless him. And all you people out there, we're going to bless Brody. Lord, uh, what a great thing for Brody to share us his story and, and uh, looking forward to his surgery and all the healing that's going to come from that. So we say, Lord, bless him. Bless him through the surgery, but also through all the days that follow. Uh, that, uh, Lord, he'll have strength when he needs it. He'll have courage when he needs it. He'll have laughter when he needs it. He'll be able to cry when he needs it. And just, Lord, that you'll use him. Let him be a blessing to other people there in St. Louis this summer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, uh, kids, let's stand. And uh, I'll send you out to Sunday school if you have your name tag on or you can stay in family with your family in worship. Here's your blessing. May the Lord bless you and always smile upon you. Amen. I remember when our kids uh, were teenagers and uh, there were times when I just felt threatened as a, as a dad, what was happening to them and the influence of their friends, influence of their peers. And uh, sometimes it would be easy for me to overreact. Like, okay, you're going to have to be in by 8 o'clock on every weekend night. You're going to have to, uh, you, you're never going to get to go there again and you are grounded for a year. And sometimes Trish would come to me, she'd say, Honey, you can't do that. I go, I can't? Oh, why not? Well, you see, my, my approach was flawed. I was overreacting. And it was because I didn't, I felt like I was losing control and that felt really uncomfortable to me and I didn't, I didn't know what to do. And this is, our, this is our third and last Sunday in our series, Flawed and Flawed but following families. And that's really the only kind of families we have, right? We are flawed families. We're trying to do the best we can. Uh, if you want to listen to the previous two messages in this series, you can do that on our website, or you can get the Faith Westwood app, or you can listen to the podcast. Now, in this series, what, what our, our basic approach is that we're learning from Jesus what he tells us about living life. We're doing it his way. And he says, and we're going to say, take it home. Do it at home. So Jesus says, love the person even who hurts you. Do that at home. Jesus says, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Now, do that at home. Jesus says, forgive people not just seven times. Forgive them 77 times. Now, do that at home. Because if you follow Jesus at home with your family, 
you can do it just about anywhere. So today's topic is conflict, being conflicted but communicating. How many of you would say that over the years you've had more conflicts and arguments with, with your family than with your coworkers? It might be most of us. I don't really know. Uh, but isn't it amazing that for a lot of us we have a lot more conflicts with the people we love most and that, than, than others? Uh, and you know, it's not just the number of arguments. A lot of times it's the intensity of those arguments. My most emotionally charged arguments have not been with members of my staff. They've not been with neighbors or, or uh, church members. My most emotionally charged arguments have ever had been with family. You remember a few years ago when they drained Lake Zerinsky and they, they dredged it. So they, they pulled up all of the the buildup and gunk on the bottom, this, this yucky muck. And, and that's what dredging does. It kind of pulls up that stuff from the bottom. Conflict in the family is like that. It's like dredging. It exposes the deepest, darkest flaws of our character, things that you may not have even known were there. You know, before I came a parent, I thought I was doing pretty well following Jesus. You know, I mean, my character and all, I, 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 was, I was not impatient with people. I was, I was pretty calm. You, I would, couldn't get riled up too easily. Uh, but when I became a parent, I quickly discovered the limits of my Christ-likeness. It brought me to the edge every day. I felt like I was standing on the edge of a cliff. So please open your Bibles with me to James chapter 4. We're going to start with verse 1. In the Pew Bible, it's on page 1218. And this is a letter written by Jesus' brother, James. Did you know that? Written by his brother? And the writer, uh, uh, this James, he quickly became the leader of the, of the uh, Christian community in Jerusalem in Bible times. Now, you know, did you ever wonder whether James and Jesus got into fights when they were growing up? Did they ever kind of scuffle and take it at each other like brothers do sometimes? Uh, did they argue about which one of them got the biggest piece of raisin cake? You know, which was kind of a dessert back in those days. So let's look at verse 1. Uh, of course, I don't know the answer to those questions about their boyhood, but whatever. Verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Fair question. And most of us already have the answer. To fights, who, where do they come from? Fights and quarrels at your house. It's her fault. He's the one to blame. So now James answers that, that question with another question. Let's go on. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Now, in case you didn't catch the implication here, I'm going to read this again, the second question, and you shout out the two words that begin with the letter Y, right? Uh, so you shout out the words your and you as, as I read through it, okay? Let's do it. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? So where does it all begin? James says it starts right here with me. Not pointing the finger out to them. It starts right here with me. 
Andy Stanley once said it this way, in the middle of a family argument, you, you, could, you could stop everything and say, I'll tell you what the problem is. I'm not getting what I want. Now that's, that's language you probably don't hear very often in a family argument. You know, you could point the finger at your daughter and say, you know, you trashed it downstairs, you said you were going to clean it up, and then you left and didn't do it. You don't, you never follow through with what you're going to do. I, how can you be so irresponsible? Or you can say, I'll tell you what the problem is. I'm not getting what I want, which is a cleaned up basement and you being responsible. You can point the finger at your husband and say, how could you spend all that much money on, on new golf clubs? You just got a new set two years ago, and you're gone three or four nights out on the golf course, and I never get to see you. You're never home. When was the last time we even went to a movie? Or you can say, I'll tell you what the problem is. I'm not getting what I want, which is to spend more time with you. So, Here's what we're going to do. We are going to practice. Uh, imagine that you are in the middle of an emotional doozy of an argument at home. The emotional temperature is climbing. Voices are getting louder. Temperatures are flaring. Sarcastic remarks are flying. And eyes are rolling freely. And then you say, as you see it on the screen, and hey, play along with me. Do the finger thing. Okay, come on, just get into it here. So, so let's all say this with lots of emotion. I'll tell you what the problem is. I'm not getting what I want. And when you, when you do that, suddenly the emotional temperature in the room is going to drop at least a few degrees. And then maybe you can talk. So let's go on to verse 2. You desire, but do not have, so you kill. Well, they weren't literally killing each other. He's making a point. He's saying you desire to have something, so you're on the attack. And then James says, you covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You, you, you know, kind of, you, you know what that's like in an argument when you go for the kill? You know, n n nothing is held back. Marriage researcher John Gottman identifies four behaviors that he says are deadly to relationships, and he calls them the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Here are two of them. Criticism and contempt. Both of them are ways of attacking the other person. Now, I, I gotta clarify here. Criticism is not the same as registering a complaint. When you say, I'm not getting what I want, you are registering a complaint and that's good healthy families learn to complain well I'm not getting what I want which is to be treated with respect and appreciation that's a good complaint you may need to say that in your family criticism is when you attack the other person and oftentimes you're making what we call global statements you never ask what I want to do 
You always assume that I'm the incompetent parent. And then contempt takes it a step further with mean insults, tearing the other person down. You are such a loser. What an idiot. Can't you remember anything? Oh, I feel so sorry for you. When are you going to grow up? You hear, you hear the contempt? It's like James says, you do not, you, you desire but you do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. What's the real problem? I'm not getting what I want. Now, saying what you want isn't going to solve everything. But like I said before, it's going to take the emotional temperature down a notch or two. You're going to be honest about what you really are hoping for, what you really would like to have, what you really like to see. Uh, and, and then also, let's go on in uh, verse 2, James says this, you, you do not have because you do not ask God. So all this fighting, all this quarreling because you're not getting what you want. Have you prayed about this? Have you talked to God about this? Maybe you haven't asked the person or God, either one. You're just fighting to get what you want. And so, so that what we do end up is we go on the offensive and we get defensive. Anyway, I'd like to bring up Bruce and Brenda Bowers. Uh, as some of you know, this is the third Sunday in, the row, in a row that they have uh, been here with us, sharing us part of their story and uh, you know I've had people share with me how much this is meant and how it's really spoken to them and and so uh, Bruce and Brenda thank you so much for just kind of you know letting us letting us see not not everybody would do this but we're really thankful and uh, anyway it was a year ago that that uh, they were separated maybe most of you didn't know it, but it was kind of announced to their to their friends and family. They were separated, living in different parts of the house. Um, and then through a conversation with uh, one of their kids, a light went on with Bruce. And he began to see that a lot of the things that were frustrating him and angering him were not really their fault, but really had a home here in him that he had to deal with and face. Um, so, anyway, we're going to kind of talk about uh, communicating and conflict today. But, uh, Bruce, I'd like for you to share with us about, first, um, how did you envision yourself when it came to the family and your relationship to them? Sure. So, I really, <laughs> you know, in my youthful ignorance, um, I saw myself as the head of my family and basically the king of my castle. So I thought that uh, since I had responsibilities to make sure that my family had a roof over their head, food to eat, you know, all the basic necessities of life, transportation, insurance, all that stuff, since I was providing all that, um, along with responsibilities, comes liberties or uh, rights, right? You got rights and responsibilities. So. Um, I figured since I was satisfying the needs and, and uh, dealing with my responsibilities, I had freedom to basically do what I want. 
Um, I had friends at work. I had uh, uh, things that I liked to do that I kind of obsessed with a little bit. Um, but that's okay. I was, um, I was, as long as I was taking care of my responsibilities, I could be the king of my castle. And that meant the freedom to do whatever you want. Whatever I wanted. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Brenda, tell us about what was it like to live with the king of the castle? <laughs> uh, well, it wasn't really easy, um, but uh, it, and it kind of took its toll over the years. Um, I would say that our relationship, you know, started out one way as younger and then um, the king of the castle kind of became a stronger, stronger personality over the years and then um, it just kind of reached a point where we just weren't really close as a couple anymore. Uh, but it was a very slow process and it kind of crept in very slowly um, but then finally took its toll last yeah. year. Well, what, what would you say, what else would you say about the cost of this on your relationship? Um, I would say that um, part of the problem was that my personality is that I'm very much a peacemaker. And so I saw my role in this whole thing as being the one who had to just keep the peace and mediate in the family. And instead of really dealing with the issue and getting the help so that we could learn how to communicate effectively, I just wanted to fix it, make it go away. And so I buried all my feelings over the years and um, learned how to read the temperature of a room. Um, I, I got to where I was 24-7 um, sending my feelers out to see what mood he was going to be and when he came home from work or, you know, on the weekend and just whenever he was around, I was just constantly sending out feelers. And then I would um, speak and act in a way that would try to keep things calmer or keep the peace in the house. And all that was doing was enabling. Um, and, and that's how it got worse and worse. So it sounds to me like that part of that cost was pretending. I was pretending a lot. Um, it was very, very important to me that, that my kids were protected and that they saw normalcy. And so I pretended to be happy and I pretended to be, you know, just a normal, healthy marriage. And actually what I was doing was every time, you know, he'd have an argument with the kids or something, I would go behind and kind of clean up and I would justify his behavior and, and say, you know, he's tired or he's hungry and, or whatever. And, um, it, that, and they saw through that. They're, they're smart. <laughs> so yeah. I was the one who was not being very smart. Yeah. Um, so, Bruce, it was about a year ago that, you know, in this conversation you had just kind of a light came on and you began to see yourself differently and to see, see the whole situation differently. So, I, I'm curious, how, what are those changes that God made in you and has been making in you? Well, Steve, it's, it's really not a whole lot different than the salvation story itself. I mean, first, um, there had to be a cathartic event that would cause a light to go on in my head, and yeah. that did happen. Um, so the first step is recognizing the problem and realizing that, um, that there's a large part of that problem that's within yourself, um, and learning why that's, that's uh, why that is. And then the next step is, of course, uh, confession and repentance, um, acknowledging what part you have in, in, the, in the situation and 
you know, asking for forgiveness from your family, from, from your Lord. Um, and then, then finally, it's uh, learning um, how to deal with that, getting you know, educated and studying and becoming more, getting more into the Word and just learning and growing and overcoming, allowing God to overcome the problem through you. Yeah. Um, what, what have you learned about communicating over this last year that's been helpful to you? Well, I'd like to just say really quickly that it was hard. Um, what Bruce went through, especially uh, this past year, was really, really hard. And the fact that he uh, allowed God to work in him and change him is truly miraculous. And I want to say that to everybody because I think it's really important that this is for any relationship. It's not just any, you know, not just marriages, um, but this is for anybody. So I would encourage you to not give up hope. Um, and also, if you do go through kind of what we went through, um, don't get stuck in that, uh, the, the learning part, but to give yourself permission to heal. And he's done a great job of that. And uh, part of that is forgiving yourself and, um, and forgiving the other person too. But forgiving yeah. yourself is just a very important step. So do you communicate differently now? We do. Um, we learned how to listen as well as share. Um, our counselor gave us some very specific steps to do that and tools. You know, tools to do that. It was very helpful. Uh, we learned enough about ourselves to understand how we process and how we need to communicate to the other person so that they can process better. So, Yeah, I learned, I think I, I know I mentioned it uh, probably both of last, the last two sessions, but there's this book called Strongholds, and I learned that, that a lot of the conflict came from the evil one. You know, he puts these thoughts, he puts these emotions in your head and causes you to behave in, in a way that's, that's not glorifying God and that's destructive to the people that you love. So um, as, as I start to feel some sort of frustration, um, one of the first things that I do, or anger or anything like that, one of the first things that I do is try to identify where is that coming from? You know, it's, and usually it's like, well, you know, why am I, why does that bother me? And more often than not, it's because it's wounding my pride, wounding my pride. Okay. <laughs> uh, which is uh, ridiculous. Um, and the other thing that I, that I do, uh, I think I talked about this once before, is that I have a life verse that, that I'm applying to my life right now, and it's, uh, it's Philippians 4.8. Um, and in fact, I've got some ink on my arm <laughs> that is a reminder of that verse. It's a little anagram. So, tattoo? Um, no, no, it's not a tattoo. I reserve the right at some point in the future to make it a tattoo. So, but I, okay. I, I discovered that um, it's better, it works out better if I don't make it a tattoo right now. And the reason for that is because... Um, uh, reapply if I, if it's not a tattoo, I have to constantly reapply it, and yeah. so as I'm putting the ink back on there, it's reminding me of what uh, what my life verse is all about. Um, I, and in fact, I had one of my coworkers saw me putting it on one day, and she goes, "Why are you writing on yourself?" 
and, yeah. and it gave me an opportunity to share. Well, so. well tell us that verse again. Sure, it's Philippians 4.8, and it's just a simple anagram that I, that I uh, write on, and it's, uh, it, it, Philippians 4.8 is whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is virtuous, whatever is of good repute, and whatever is praiseworthy. Focus your mind on these things. And so um, that's what I try to do. I try to filter my thoughts. When I start to have negative feelings or negative thoughts, I, I try to look back and say, okay, um, does it fit? Does that thought, that emotion, does that, that thought that I'm having, does it fit with any of this? And if it doesn't, then I, I pray to God and he helps me to dismiss that. Okay. So, uh, Bruce and Brenda, before we go, what would you say, especially Bruce, what would you say to fathers and dads here who are struggling with relationships and their anger and frustration? What, what would you say? I'd say that it's important to note that um, you may not be so very different than Brenda and me. Um, our life wasn't perfect. It wasn't all a disaster either. Yeah, it was on a road to disaster. <laughs> and um, except for the intervention of our Heavenly Father, it probably would have ended in disaster, and it very nearly did. But it wasn't a disaster. There were good times. There were lots of good times. But um, uh, it, it could have easily been um, a disaster. The other thing that I would say is that there's no problem in your life that um, God can't solve, and there's no chains of bondage that God can't break. So there's always hope no matter what situation you find yourself in. Okay. Well, um, I want to thank you both again for, for sharing with us these three Sundays. And I know some, some of you, some people have kind of gone to them uh, in the last couple of weeks and thanked them or maybe wanted to share a little bit about what they were going through and, and, uh, and they've been very open to that. So if, you, if that would be helpful to you, uh, seek them out. So Definitely. thank you. All right, uh, I'm going to wrap this up here with, uh, I want to give you one thing that you can take home, that you can begin to do right away that's going to make a positive impact in your family. We're going to build on what we were talking about before. And uh, so when you find things getting heated up, or maybe before they do, try this. Say, here's what I want, and then fill in the blank. Here's what I want, and then ask, what do you want? And then you listen. And, and this isn't the whole conversation. This is just the beginning of the conversation, but it's a starting point, and it keeps you from pointing the finger and blaming the other person. So what we're going to do is I'm going to give you a minute now to experiment with this. If you came with a family member or you're sitting next to a friend, I'm going to give you a minute to do this. If you're, if you're alone, you can, if you're brave, you can go seek out a stranger and say, hey, you want to do this? And if they want to, fine. Or maybe they just want to listen and not share because sharing is always optional uh, so I'm going to give you a minute to do that starting now here's what I want and then what do you want could be about anything okay so how, how does it feel to have those kind of conversations you know 
Sometimes I think that we don't really even know what we want until we have to do the work of verbalizing it to somebody. We have to go through that process. And you know, the Bible says God already knows what we want and need, but it's important for us to go through the process of naming it, of verbalizing it, of expressing it. And so you can also use this as, a, as the outline of a prayer for your family. God, here's what I want for my family. And then ask God, what do you want? And then do your best to listen, to seek him, to be in a seeking posture toward God, to think about what God wants for your family. Let's pray. Well, Lord God, today we are um, trying to learn how to express in a healthy way, in a clear way, uh, our desires so that we don't start tearing each other down. And uh, we want to do it in a way that we build each other up. And so, Lord, we pray for our families here that, that we'll learn to be good family to each other, that we'll learn to uh, express our needs um, and our desires openly. Um, and Lord, we also want to ask you, what do you want for our families? What, uh, what direction do you want to take us? What's your vision for, for us as a family? Where do we need to go? Where do we need to grow? Keep showing that to us, leading us on. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.